right, guys, Mark 6, Mark 6, verse 30. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. Um, somebody will be able to swing one your way. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We'll hook you up with one. If you don't have a Bible, please take it home. It's our gift to you guys. Um, so Mark 6, verse 30. Um, when you guys are there, please say amen. Sick. All right, guys, um, as is customary and necessary, we're going to pray it up before we get into the Word just because I need the Holy Spirit and we need the Holy Spirit to be present before we dig in. Amen? So let's do it. Oh, Father, thank you for an amazing, encouraging, and great reminding time of worship. You are alive. You are on the throne. And you are large and in charge. Father, thank you for that. What a sweet time to just enter in and just start the night off by singing your praises. Lord, we love you. Thank you that this word is eternal and, Lord, without error. What an honor it is and terrifying privilege it is to teach it. I pray that you would cover my lips, Lord, and my heart and my mind as I get to teach. Would, Would your spirit be present tonight? Would we be encouraged by you, Lord? Um, Lord, we pray against the enemy, Lord, who would want to swing in and distract and to um, take us away from focusing on you. But Father, thank you that the focal point of tonight is you. I pray that you would just warm our hearts, encourage us, um, convict where you need to convict, but also, Lord, we we just want to hear from you. So Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for these people. Bless your word, Lord, as it goes out. Um, In your name, amen. Amen. Sweet. Mark 6, verse 30. Last week, we saw the rotting conscience of um, Herodias and King Herod. Um, And we learned about basically uh, how John the Baptist was beheaded um, wrongly after Herod's daughter came in, danced before him. In In the sense there, it was like this sensual, not good dance that pleased the king. Hey, I'll give you whatever you want. What do you want? She goes to mom, says, hey, what do I want? John the Baptist's head on a platter. The king regrets it. It haunts him to this day. Um, But John the Baptist is beheaded. Um, But now after that, we jump back into real time. Um, We're going to start in verse 30, but then um, it's going to shoot back to verse 7, just for context, just to figure out and be reminded of, okay, where are we? What's going on? Because the John the Baptist um, story was more of like a pause and we told the story of John the Baptist, what went down, but there's a little bit of context as to where we're jumping back in with Jesus and the disciples. Um, so verse 30, then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. This is after Jesus had sent out the 12, the apostles, um, seven, I believe in eight. This is Mark 6, 7, and he called his 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Um, So basically Jesus sends out the boys two by two. Um, And so in this story, verse 30, we're picking it up and they have come back. They've reconvened and they've come back to Jesus um, and are telling him basically what went down. Um, healing, casting out demons, the teachings, maybe where they stayed, but they're just updating Jesus on 
what they had gone through, what they had taught. And I was reading a few things, and I thought this was cool. This was kind of Jesus' way maybe to prepare them for what their lives would look, at, look like after he ascends, after resurrecting from the grave, and what their lives would have been like after that. Uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit after um, uh, the day of Pentecost. So this was kind of their sneak preview of what they'd be getting themselves into. So super cool. Um, so verse 31, And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For they did not even have time to eat. So the disciples, they are coming to Jesus and they're letting him know, hey, here's what we did. We taught this. We stayed here. We cast out demons. We healed in your name with the power that you gave us. And I can kind of see in my mind's eye, and maybe you can too, as the disciples are relaying this, Jesus maybe picks up on it. It's like, hey, these guys are tired or they look hungry or they look beat down or they just need the rest. And so Jesus says, hey, come away uh, to a deserted place and rest a while. Growing up as a pastor's kid, uh, and I know I talk about my dad a lot, but he's easy to pick on because I was there a lot. Um, but full-time ministry, a pastor my whole life, that's the only job he's ever had as long as I've been alive. Um, but he, I would like kind of rouse him or people would rouse him and be like, well, you just have no job. You just talk on Sundays and, I don't know, preach the gospel and that's it. That's all you do. But the, the times that I remember after a week of studying and whatever it was, counsel, marriage counseling or whatever it was, he would do funerals, he would do uh, baptisms or teachings. Every Sunday afternoon after teaching and Monday, he would get home from church after being held there for two plus hours talking to people, Steve, I'm sure knows how it goes. You have, the, you have teachings and then people, rightly so, and, and it's a good thing. They want to talk to you and you want to encourage them. And hey, I didn't get this in your sermon. What does it mean? So you're encouraging, you're relaying. But when my dad got home without fail on like a Sunday afternoon, he would hit the couch out like a light. Hour and a half, two hours would just need the rest and so I think here there's a time for work, but the Lord obviously realizes there's a time for rest as well. Um, but ministry, kind of a quick side note, it takes it out of you, and it should. There's a spiritual war going on for souls. We know that as believers, but also it's physical. It can be really physical. It can be draining. If there's ever times where you've been able to share the gospel or to encourage somebody, or maybe it's as simple as, you want to bless somebody so you help them move or whatever it ends up being there's this physical aspect even though it's a spiritual pursuit and i think that's kind of good to realize and it's okay to realize that jesus said hey these guys need rest and if you guys are in a spot where you guys are tired and you need the rest realize this is an important thing there's a time to work and there's a time to put your nose to the grindstone and to be busy, but we see this here, and I think a good example is just the Sabbath day, and this little caveat right here, there's also a time for rest. And I love this about Jesus. He himself needed to sneak away with the Father and get his alone time with the Father to recuperate, right? We see it throughout the Gospels. He would sneak away into the mountain and go be with the Father nice and early and take his rest time. But he notices it for his disciples. He says, hey, let's get away. You guys need rest. And it says that they didn't have time to eat. 
um, for there were many coming and going. So there's just busyness around them. And so, hey, these guys haven't even eaten yet. Let's get out of here. Verse 32, so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. I don't know why when I was studying, I was like, and they departed to a deserted place in the boat. I don't know why. It was just cool. It was just like, I wonder if they were stoked when the boys, the 12, and Jesus just got in the boat. I don't know. They've been, <laughs> they've been thrashed in that boat. They've been tossed around in that boat. They've seen miracles in that boat. And I wonder if that's where they also just maybe, and this is, this is not gospel. This is more just maybe my opinion or something that I saw. I just thought it was cool. They're just in the boat with Jesus. And I wonder if that was like a cool and special time with them. I don't know if you guys have a boat, but I just thought it was cool. You guys don't need to hang your hats on that. It's not, like I said, that's more just my opinion, something I noticed. Take it, leave it. It's all good with me. 33, but the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. So Jesus, rightly so, seeing the disciples are tired and weary and just needed the rest, he says, hey, let's get in the boat. They hop in the boat, but as they're going, People are recognizing them, maybe from the shore, and kind of seeing where they're headed. And it's almost like they would hit the little cities along the way, and it started like a snowball. And it was small, small, small. And then just as it was going down the coast, it just grew. And before you know it, this great multitude is on foot just running towards him, running towards the disciples. And you kind of, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I wonder if the disciples from the boat were just like, dude, not today. I'm so tired. I've been doing ministry for X amount of days, and I, I can't handle another multitude. But nonetheless, here they come. And Jesus, when he came out, 34, guys, this is a good one. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd, so he began to teach them many things. Like I mentioned, the disciples, they're tired, they're busy, they just want to rest. They haven't had time to eat. They just want some alone time, maybe with Jesus. Maybe they just wanted to share what was going on. They're annoyed. Steve and I were talking about this before, is this crowd this, that was gathering, they weren't necessarily there on on. Not necessarily good terms. What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? They weren't there for great motivation, good motivating factors. Like they weren't there to just sit at Jesus' feet like Mary uh, instead of Martha. They weren't there to just soak it all in and to be fed and to hear the teachings. They were there because they thought Jesus was going to overthrow Rome. They wanted him to rule. People were being healed and they were being fed. Maybe not all of them. Maybe not all of them. Maybe there were people there, and Lord willing, there were people there that just wanted to be close to Jesus. We talked about in prior chapters how um, Jairus and the woman with the bleeding, they just wanted to be close. So maybe there were people who just, they followed Jesus because they knew in their heart of hearts, that's who I, want, I need to be with. I just want to go with Jesus. But it was a, more than likely that this crew, this multitude, they just wanted something. Maybe they were rude. Maybe they were just pushy and they just like wanted to be healed. Like, Jesus, come and do this for me or we're hungry. Feed us. Let's go. And the disciples are ticked and I'm, I would be too. I'd be so over it. If I, my wife knows, if I'm tired and if I'm hungry and if I've just had a long day, it's kind of foot on the brakes and I need a couple moments maybe to myself to just like 
come down to earth for a second to be gracious. Imagine a multitude of Joshes, Marissa. Bad news. Um, but I think maybe that's how the, the disciples felt. They didn't want to be bombarded. They didn't want to be bothered by these guys. But Jesus, who no doubt, and we know through his ministry as we read the Gospels, was very, very busy all the time, completely always being thronged by the multitudes and pressed for healing and feed us and do this and take over. And, but he steps out of the boat and he sees them and he is moved with compassion. I loved this so much when I was reading it. There's multiple times in the Gospels where we find that when Jesus rolls up on somebody, it says that, and Jesus had compassion for these people. And the term isn't like this, like, oh, how sweet, like, oh, I love these guys, or oh, it would be really nice to do something for them. The term speaks more of like a a gut-wrenching, deep, emotional, like, movement of compassion to, like, drive to action. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, how these Uh, Jairus and the woman, they were moved so deeply by their desperation, it moved them toward Jesus. And this is kind of the same sense that it's just a deep, deep love for the people that he was seeing in this multitude. And I was talking with Marissa as I was studying this, and it just got me thinking, I was like, "This, this this is Jesus, this is God in flesh. He knew every single individual in that crowd. He knew the number of hairs on their head. He knew their lives from front to back. He knew their problems. He knew their trials. He knew their hurts. He knew them before the foundations of the world. And it just struck me. I was like, Lord, like, who, are, who am I? Who are these people that we have your compassion? And I was so blessed by that. And I know it's a simple verse, but I hope maybe you guys see that. The Savior of the universe, Jesus, is moved with compassion toward you and toward me in such a deep sense that it's, I think we forget at times just how loving and gentle and how great, we just had Father's Day, how loving of a Father we possess in our Savior. Amen? I was really, really encouraged by that. I need to have a better realization and a better understanding of just how compassionate Jesus is. Again, he's tired too. He's had a long day too. But when he sees the multitude, he's driven deeply by compassion. I don't know if you guys have been in a situation where maybe you've had a long day. As I was doing camps at uh, McConnellani, and you're a camp counselor, and you're playing games all day in the heat, and you're tired, and you're over it. But then there's just that moment where maybe after the nightly worship and prayer, there's just a kid that is having this honest-to-God moment where he's just breaking down into you and wants to be a believer, and how do I put my faith in Christ? And I remember this kid, and I was so tired, but when this had happened, I was just driven with a compassion for this guy. And it, it, it flipped off all the switches of, I'm tired, I'm over, I don't want to, I just want to go to bed, stop screaming, go play ping pong away from me, to just a deep-rooted 
love for that individual and a desire to see them changed eternally. And so I know it's hard, guys, when you're in those situations, maybe a hard day at work or whatever have you, and you see the, maybe the guy or the gal that's just annoying and is constantly yelling or constantly complaining, whatever it is. But I would, I would urge you to pray for this kind of compassion for those people. Amen? That we would have hearts that when, we are, when we're tired, when we're over it, when we're hungry, but the Lord says, hey, here's this. I'm giving you this opportunity that we would be stirred up in our compassion and our love for others. Amen? I need to get better at that. Too often I can just go, like the disciples we're going to see here in a little bit, just like, send them away. Go away. I don't, I don't have time. I'm exhausted. I'm busy. I just want to go home. I want to see my son. I want to see my wife. But rather just, I want my heart to break for the things that breaks the Lord's heart. Amen? We have a compassionate, compassionate Savior. I hope you guys come away with at least that tonight. 35. <clears throat> when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. The disciples come up with a plan, an escape route for this situation. Jesus, it's late. Send them away. We're in a deserted place. The towns are far away. Excuse me. They need to eat. Get them out of here. This could have been their, this was like them solving the problem of them being annoyed. And I think, like I just kind of mentioned, like we can make these excuses too. And sometimes they're legitimate. And sometimes it's like, this was a real issue. They were in a deserted place. They didn't have much food. Um, and they are, the disciples are like, here's a smart thing to do. Send them away. So they can go get food, so they can be fed. We don't want these people to starve. Let them go. And I love what Jesus says here. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. <laughs> so classic. There's so many times I think you guys would know, like, Lord, would you just let somebody speak to that person to give them the gospel? And Lord, just encourage their hearts. And Jesus just gently whispers or tells you, you do it. You go. And that's <laughs> never at times, unfortunately, what we want to like come to grips with what we want to hear of just like, you do it. He's talking to Philip, I believe, in this, in this passage, in, uh, and I think it's John, John or Luke. He's speaking to Philip. Philip was apparently from this region. So it's almost like, hey, you give them something to eat. Almost like a, you're from around here. Like, what do we do? What do we eat? Bakery? Bistro? Where, where are we getting the food? And so he's talking to Philip and he says, hey, you do it. You give him something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? The, uh, the math comes out. The human practical response comes out from the disciples here. They're looking at the crowd. And again, rightfully so, like when they said, hey, it's late. Get them out of here. The disciples go, what are we going to do? Spend 200 denarii to give these people a little something to eat? Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Reminder, they had just gotten back from being sent out by the Lord two by two in power to heal, cast out demons, and to teach. And here they are in a scenario where the Lord is, in a sense, like testing them, seeing how they'll respond. Now, to be fair to them, they may not have 
expected the Lord to do a miracle here to say, or to basically step up and feed the 5,000. Maybe that was it. I don't know. But they're quickly reverting after so many cool things, just like we do when we see the Lord move and when we see the Lord do really awesome things. The next thing comes up, the rent is due, or the bills need to be paid, or the roof is leaking, and it's like, what am I going to do? Spend 200 bucks to go do this? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And if remember the other passages here, they go and they find this little boy and they bring him to the Lord and he's got five loaves and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So the Lord organizes them. Our God is a God of order. Amen. Puts them in groups of 50 and 100. And he sits them down in order. And I wonder if the disciples at this point are just like, okay, what's going on? What's happening? And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. Up to heaven. Customarily, you would bow your head. But Jesus lifts up his eyes to the heavens, blesses the bread, or blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he, demi- he divided among them all. Quick point, something that struck out to me is <clears throat> after they've done their, their math and their practical telling of Jesus, like, this can't be done because what are we going to do? Spend all this money and feed these people? This amount of food? Not happening. And we gave, the disciples gave him their practical approach, their fleshly approach, just like we do at times. The Lord says, hey, go find, what do we have? Go and see. Okay, five and two. So they all ate, or I'm sorry, 41 again. And when he had taken the five loaves, two fish, he looked up to the heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fish, and he divided among them all. After all this, after their practical explanation of the, of the, of the scenario, when they're relaying this to Jesus, he takes what they had, first of all, what they had, and he exercises his authority over nature and over the elements in a way that they did not expect. A cool point here is oftentimes when the Lord wants to do something miraculous, when the Lord wants to multiply in a sense, or whatever we have going on where we can't see what the Lord is doing, and we just have our five loaves and our two fish, it's insufficient, it's not enough, but the Lord says, hey, give it to me. Encouragement for you guys. The Lord's going to put you guys in positions and has been and will continue to do so in scenarios where what you have is not enough. It's insufficient. It doesn't do the job. And he wants to see if you will bring it to him faithfully and say, okay, Lord, here's what I've got. I've got five loaves and I've got two fish. You do you. It's an encouragement for me Because at times, whether it's teaching or raising a family or whatever it is, or work and the energy that I have, like, Lord, what are you going to do here? I I don't have anything. And oftentimes, the Lord will just remind me, like, what do you have? Like, what have I gifted you with? And it's humbling because each and every time I see the Lord, the Lord's faithfulness and him provide and provide and provide and provide. So guys, whatever you do have, give it over to the Lord and he's going to use it. Amen. And then last, or not lastly, but once they gave it over to the Lord, 
he takes it and he does something that they didn't expect. Oftentimes, guys, when we do give it over to the Lord, he's going to do something that we don't see. It's better off just to trust him and give it over ASAP. It's hard to do like these disciples, like we talked about. They just got back from doing really cool stuff. Um, and they're telling the Lord about it. They're encouraged maybe. And then right away, they just like blunder. And they're like, how can we do this? But for us, I think we can learn from this. And in our flesh, we will fail. And there's grace for that. But as an encouragement and hopefully just, yeah, just an encouragement for you guys. Let's give it over sooner and trust him with it sooner. Amen. I think we can avoid a lot of hardship and a lot of questions and a lot of hurts when we just say, okay, Lord, I know you're asking me to do this. I don't see how it's going to get done. Here's what I have. Here's my five and my two. And then step back. I think there's, I think there's a place for what these disciples were trying to do and maybe thinking practically. And we're called to be good stewards of our, our, our finances and the things around us. I think those are good things. But I think when the Lord calls us to do something where it takes our resources or it takes the things that we hold dear and it's like, Lord, I, I don't see how this is possible. It's better for us to just say, okay, Lord, here you are, and I'm going to trust you with it. That's really hard to do. It's really hard to do, but I pray that we're able to do that and to give it over to him. Amen. So they all ate <laughs> and were filled. The, the word there is they were stuffed, all of them. And now, reminder, this isn't 5,000. The, the header of this section is like, feeding the 5,000. It was 5,000 men recorded, not accounting for women and children. It's hard to say exactly what it was. We don't know. It's not said. So I'm not going to tell you a specific number, but it was probably close to double-digit thousands, 10, 15. Kids, women, everybody following. And all of them are stuffed. That's like our God, amen? When he does something, he does it to the fullest. He doesn't like give them like a snack. He doesn't like, hey, I'm going to feed him, and then hands him like a Lunchable. It's like, that's what I was able to get out of the five and two. If I had seven and four, you'd be full. Here's your Lunchable. No, he takes the five and the two, and every single individual there who desired to eat was filled. Amen. Now those, oh wait, and they took up 12 basket full of fragments and of the fish. So 12 baskets left over, and I can't help but think that this was just a, maybe a gentle reminder to the disciples, each one of them in their hands after they, ha who knows how many times they walked back. I don't know how big the baskets were, but how many times did they walk up, walk down, walk up, walk down. People are taking all the fish. They're running back and forth. They're working hard after they just worked hard, by the way. That's another cool point. If you're tired, keep going. If the Lord has something else for you to do, be faithful to it. These guys just got back. They've worked hard, and they jumped right, in, right back into a practical ministry opportunity. I know you guys are tired, but if there is something that you're tired, but the Lord's like, hey, keep going, keep going, and you're going to see, see the Lord do something cool. Amen? little side. But they all have at least one basket left over for each, and it was just this gentle, maybe funny, but loving reminder to each one of these guys like, hey, I took care of all of them and each one of you needs to understand this as well. You're all taken care of as well. I thought that was really cool. Guys, I know that we're tired. I don't know if you've been working really hard. Maybe it's just your job. 
Maybe you feel that your ministry or what the Lord set you to do is your family. Maybe it's full-time ministry. Maybe it's just, I don't know what it is. If you're tired, there is a good time for rest. The Lord desires that there is a good season of rest for you. So I don't, don't allow the enemy to throw condemnation at you and make you feel that you can't rest and you can't take time. But when you do rest, let the Lord be your rest. When he called them in the boat by himself, their rest was with Jesus. Amen? He didn't say, hey, let's all go rest. So go find your fishing hole. Meet us back in eight hours. Go rest. When he called the disciples away to rest, where were they? They were with Jesus. For us guys, it's hard for myself. I, after a long work week, it's, it's summertime. It's getting really hot out. And for me, my idea of rest um, is just to sit down on the couch, play games or watch a movie or just kick it with Marissa and Jesse and just like, just veg. That's my idea of rest. Maybe it's jumping in the water. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is for you guys, but when I think of like, Lord, I'm exhausted from ministry, from work, from Jesse, I need rest. That rest isn't necessarily the things that we run to. It can be. Those are good things. And I'm not, not to discourage you from, hey, if you need to go jump in the water, if that's how you recharge, praise the Lord. Go jump in the water. Pray while you're in the water. My dad, Steve, Mitch, all these guys who jump in the water, Austin, like oftentimes if I'm out there surfing with them, it doesn't happen often, but when it does, I'll catch them just praying or just talking to the Lord while they're on the boards, but they're spending time with the Lord as they're getting their rest. But for an encouragement to you guys, don't just run to what's comfortable. The Lord is our rest. Amen. There was, um, I'm not going to be able to find it in time. Oh, yes, I did. Let's go for your notes. You don't have to flip there right now. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. In your free time, go read that. If you're weary and heavy laden, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Amen. He wants to be our rest, and he is our rest. You're not going to be disappointed for running and spending alone time with Jesus when you're exhausted. Amen. The enemy will discourage you from taking any of that quiet time in the morning or in the evening to be with Jesus. But if you want to be rested, if you want to have that time to be refreshed, you will never, ever be disappointed by spending it at the feet of Jesus or in the boat with Jesus. Amen? (sighs) Lastly, and just back to that compassion thing, guys. So, off, or so often for me, I don't have compassion for people. Just in, I, I've spoke about this maybe a couple times, just with the COVID stuff, we're decently removed from that, whatever. But just the world we live in is crazy. It's so hard to be loving and gentle and compassionate to people. People are sometimes just annoying. And some worldviews and points of views as believers, they're just, They fly in your face and it's so wrong and so ugly. You just want to like, you don't have time for people like that. You don't have time to love on them. You don't have time to to love on them because you just, it's just not comfortable. You don't want to be around it. But that crowd only wanted things from Jesus. They just wanted what he could give them for the moment, for there and now. But I hope guys that 
this body here at Calvary North Shore, that we're a group that is compassionate to people because these people each, each and every day are dying and going to hell and being separated from their Father for eternity. And I think it would do us a lot of good to be compassionate and gentle with those. And I know it takes patience and long-suffering, but I just love that verse 34. And even for us, how, how much do we know it when we blow it and just fall into sin and we just maybe feel like we disappointed our Father? How compassionate is He to us? Let's love on people and be compassionate to others that way. Amen? That's really all I have. Let's pray it out um, and we'll be out of here. Father, thank you for this evening. Lord, I pray that that was not just for me or condemning, whatever it was. Uh, Lord, I pray that hearts were encouraged tonight. Lord, thank you that you are a compassionate God. You don't just care about the end results. You care about our lives. You care about our hurts. You know what's going on with us, Lord, and you are moved deeply with compassion toward us. Thank you. Who are we? that the God of the universe would love us that way. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for these guys as we go home, that we would exercise those things. Lord, when we're tired, would we run to you? Would you be our rest? Thank you, Father, for this body. Um, would you get us home safely? I pray that you would just, um, Lord, speak to us this week. Help us to be compassionate. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this group of people. In your name, amen.